something to say. Hello everybody, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. How you been? It's been a crazy, crazy day. Lots of rain. Woke up this morning to thunder and lightning. And I looked out and I couldn't see anything but water. Got a little nervous. Went out, sat on my deck, watched the water not rise but not go down as the rain kept coming. All of the creeks around the house were full. Everything was water. Then the rain stopped, and luckily it went away, but that was an interesting way to start my day. And since I brought the podcast back regularly, I've tried to do, you know, big topics, big thoughts, you know, kind of focus on something all the way through, and I kind of struggled coming up with something to talk about like that, and then I decided, why? Why? Why why am I struggling to make a unified thought? There are two things I really want to talk about, neither one really warrants a full episode of its own, why not just talk about them? So that's what I'm going to do. (laughs) So if you like this better with me kind of just like going through a lot of different topics, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter, call in on Anchor, let me know what you think, because, you know, this is more the way the podcast used to be. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is within tip 10, yeah, first thing I want to talk about is how my tongue doesn't work. (laughs) Within Temptation dropped their new video today, and oh, oh my, oh my. I, I, I had kind of mentioned the song when it came out and mentioned that the album was on its way because I'm a huge Within Temptation fan. If you didn't know, like Sharon Odell, Adele is uh, oh, oh, one of my favorite singers of all time, and the, the new video for The Reckoning is phenomenal for two reasons. One, the song is really good, and I think that's really good in despite of things, or it, she, um, the song features the lead singer of Papa Roach, and, um, Jack, um, I, I'm sorry, I'm gonna murder your name, Jacoby, or Jacoby Shaddix. Never heard it pronounced out loud, don't know, sorry. Um, and I am not a fan of Papa Roach. In fact, I didn't know much about them, including the fact that Jacoby was a member. So I actually had to look him up because I didn't know who he was when I saw the new suit on there. And when I saw that he was the dude from Papa Roach, I was kind of like, you mean that guy can sing? Why has that never been a thing before? Huh, that's weird. <laughs> but beyond the fact that it's got the dude from Papa Roach on it, which in and of itself is, I don't know, I found that strange, especially how much I liked it. The, the video... I, I really like the video. Like, if I had to do that stupid thing that we do nowadays because it's what we do and, like, where does this rank? Like, I have to say, I think my favorite video from Within Temptation is still The Howling because that's a great, great video. It's just, like, the song's good, too, but the video is so, so good. It's so good. And then you'd have Angels and then probably um, Paradise, What About Us? Really good video for that, too. This is kind of tied with that in a way, but maybe below it. It's kind of hard to rank their videos because their videos are so good. 
but it, it, it would definitely be in my top because it's visually stunning. It's a very interesting look. Um, Sharon, oh my goodness, looks like a fierce futuristic warrior in it, and it's just phenomenal. But one of the things that it kind of did to me that I didn't expect was on our last, in our last meeting, I talked about how genre is weird. And I'm trying not to Bob Chipman that up because I don't want to step on his intellectual property. But, you know, I really like that thing that he does with the things are weird thing. And I, I, I don't want to do it, but I want to do it. You know what I mean? And I just talked about how if I had to actually assign a genre to the kind of fiction I'm doing now, it would be, you know, I'm writing hard rock novels and then went on for about 20 minutes of trying to explain that idea. This video and song are what I'm talking about. I'm not going to pretend that the video is exactly the imagery that went through my mind when I listened to The Reckoning for the first time, but it's actually not too far off. Even the kind of desolate setting that it takes place in was kind of the imagery that I got in my head when I first heard the song. And, you know, the fierce warrior women, the march of defiance, the whole thing, it, it really was the imagery that was invoked in me. Um, again, not exactly. I did not presage this video. Um, and I'm not saying that. But that whole weird thing that I was trying to explain about how music invokes imagery in me and this interrelationship between fantasy, sci-fi, storytelling and music that I grew up with when they were so integrally combined. Yeah, this video is a prime example of that. Because while the lyrics aren't particularly, you know, fantasy or sci-fi related, they're kind of, you know, you're going to get yours. <laughs> but, you know, having been primed by a lot of their music, like the Howling, like Angels, like, you know, on and on, it, it might... My mind, when I hear this kind of music, goes to this kind of sci-fi fantasy place and kind of puts the video together in my own head. And that's where a lot of my stories get inspired from, is that interplay of the weird images that pop in my head when I'm listening to music and the music itself. And I kind of wish this video was out before I did the last episode, because I would have pointed to it and been like, see, like this thing. Because I, I dare you... Listen to The Reckoning. Just listen to it first. And imagine what sci-fi fantasy epic would come out of that song. Then watch the video. I, I bet you're not going to be too far off. Th there are a few things in there that were very unexpected <laughs> and different and a little weird. But other large parts of it, yeah. I, I really... It's the... Yeah. It's the images that it's cousins to the images that I had go through my own head when I was listening to the song prior to the video coming out. So if you had a hard time following that train of thought in the last episode, this is, I think, a really good example of what I was trying to say, because especially when I was growing up, this relationship and interplay was much more, much more dominant. And in fact, the lyrics were much more sci-fi fantasy oriented than they tend to be now. But other than that, it's, it's good. It's a really good video. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. If, it, if it's the first time you've ever heard anything from Within Temptation, it's not a bad first thing to start on. I, I would probably say 
listen to uh, Stand My Ground or um, Jillian or Angels or The Howling. Those are probably my favorite favorite songs from them, um, especially Jillian. I just love Jillian. I give my heart. I love that song so much. It actually appears in one of my books. Um, it's referenced heavily in the chain at a very pivotal moment in that book. Um, but yeah, if, if you had a hard time following the relationship between music and literary genre that I was talking about in the last episode, definitely check out the new video from Within Temptation. It is it is beautiful. And on video, on the topic of videos that came out today, because yes, that is something else I want to talk about now. Uh, the uh, trailer for Bumblebee came out, and I, I feel like I've been spirit hacked. For anybody who's known me or listened to me for any period of time, you, you probably know by now that I am a huge fan of the Transformers. Grew up in the 80s watching the original series, played with the toys way longer than was probably right because my friend Paul and I used to stage epic battles with our Transformers against each other and recreate just epic, epic wars outside on using the terrain and everything. Just, yeah, Transformers have a very special place in my heart. A very special place in my heart. And even through the Michael Bay movies, like, I have been so unfortunately willing to just hold my nose and go with the Michael Bay movies. And I will go to the mat for the first one, especially because I think that there is a secret good film hidden in the first Transformers movie that gets hidden under Michael Bay's really bad direction. Um, I will go to Matt, go to the mat for the first movie. I think that there is a secretly good, a secret good movie hidden in the first Transformers movie that is very hard to see because the director, it, oh, Michael Bay, why are you allowed to touch things? Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I really like giant monster movies and giant robot movies and I love the Transformers. So I'm willing to cut them a lot of slack, like as bad as... The Last Night? I can't even remember the, last, the name of the last Transformers movie. It was something like that. I don't know. Optimus Prime and the Last Crusade, whatever it was called. Um, which, by the way, would have been a great title, and I kind of wish they would have gone for that. But it, it, it was not a good movie at all. But there were things about it that I just love, because I'm I'm that guy. I'm, I, I, I am. I, I see oh, I see things with the Transformers in them, and I am a little kid again. And so when I watched the teaser trailer for the reboot of the film universe, and Bumblebee looked interesting. It looked kind of cute. I got really excited by the way he looks. I think that they're treating him very interestingly. I, I like the new aesthetic that they were going for with him. I really liked the reveal of Bumblebee in the teaser, which is also in the new trailer if you haven't seen it. It's like shot, shot for shot the exactly same thing that's you reused in here. Um, yeah, I liked it. It was good. Um, I got excited by the new Starscream because he kind of looks a bit like the old Starscream. I, I, I was willing to give it the benefit of the doubt because this is not a Michael Bay movie. This is going to be a new kind of launching out into a new Transformers thing. Maybe it'll be different. Maybe it'll be better. It could be worse. I don't know. But it, it looked interesting. I thought it was very interesting that they actually did a female protagonist with B because well 
really that's what makes the first movie secretly good is because Michaela is a very interesting hero that gets completely lost in Michael Bay's leering gaze at her nubile young body because yeah oh Michael Bay you have you have your oh anyway um and they weren't hypersexualizing her which was novel for a Transformers movie because you know you have to kind of go back to the animated film for that not to be the case because, you know, Michael Bay, I, I had high hopes. I really did. And then I saw the trailer, and it's got the original G1 star- sound wave in it. Like, we could talk about what they did to Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime looks really good. And we could talk about what who I'm pretty sure was Shockwave in it, who looks really good. And some of the other characters that I believe are going to be the ones introduced from Cyberverse that we met. Especially, I think we met that new female seeker in here because well that one scene where the female jet starts talking i know they're create they've created a new female seeker um i can't remember what her name is off the top of my head right now yeah it, it when i saw soundwave soundwave okay back up soundwave was always my favorite character um back in g1 like when i was a little kid the the two characters that i loved the most where number one Soundwave. I thought Soundwave was the coolest thing ever. Not just because, you know, I mean, he's Soundwave and he looks awesome. But I loved Ravage and Ratbat and Rumble and Frenzy and the fact that he was kind of this beastmaster with this menagerie. Because as you also know, I'm really fond of summoners and he was basically a robot summoner. And I love that. <laughs> I, I feel weird being as excited as this trailer made me. Because it's like somebody reached into my mind and went, oh, your favorite character was G1 Soundwave. And we haven't had G1 Soundwave in a long time or anything like G1 Soundwave. And in fact, the Soundwave that we had in the Michael Bay movies was, all right, what if we just gave you this like pure nostalgia moment and you got to see G1 Soundwave, who I, I expect to be in the movie for all of like 10 seconds. I'm pretty sure... We have seen everything we're going to see of him. Because I, I have this feeling that everything that we see on Cybertron in this trailer is possibly all that we are going to see on Cybertron. I might be wrong about that, but I feel like this movie is going to happen mostly on Earth with the Seekers hunting down Bumblebee. And that's going to lead into the new continuity. And they're basically just reminding us that Cybertron exists and we're going to kind of get this brief mention of the war and we're going to get some quick shots of the war and that's kind of what we were seeing in the trailer this like hint that by the way this little story that we're telling in this movie is part of this much grander conflict kind of thing that'll probably be a couple minutes you know sequence I might be wrong you never know we'll have to wait till further trailers and of course the movie to know that but I feel I'm not going to say manipulated but we, we need a word here, nostalgia-jacked, maybe? Because I, I was already thinking that it looked pretty good, and it looked interesting. It looked like it might be the first Transformers movie since the first one, where they actually wrote a script for it, and Michael Bay shot a different movie on top of it. Um, that, you know, they actually were looking at having a story, and I was kind of excited about that. And then this moment happened, and it made me feel weird, because I don't expect Soundwave to be in the movie a lot. I really don't. And Optimus Prime, that was probably the one appearance of Optimus Prime that we're going to get in the movie, is that message that apparently Bumblebee gets. That's probably it. 
it's that hint that this is part of a broader universe and look how different it looks because we're rebooting everything right now. Get excited for the next Transformers movie when it's just a Transformers movie and we bring the other characters back in. We give you a taste, just a taste of that now. But depending on how well this movie does, you might get this in the future. Because I really don't feel like any of those characters are really going to matter for this film. Because Shockwave, who, that had to be shocked, right? It's really good. And that was definitely on Cybertron. I don't expect Cybertron to be a big part of this film. I, I don't want to rave about it. I mean, they got exactly what they wanted. I am talking about the Bumblebee movie on the podcast today. And I've been talking about it elsewhere. So they got what they wanted. I'm promoting their movie for free at the cost of them making a trailer that had a character in it that excited me. And there, there's, there's this internal fight that's happening within me between the cynical critic side of me, who's lo- looking at this and seeing this as probably what it is. Yeah, here's some G1 Transformers to get you really excited because you all complain that none of our Transformers look like the G1 Transformers. And so here they are. You got them. Are you happy now? Please be happy and talk up how awesome this movie looks. But at the same time, I don't feel like they're actually going to be in the movie hardly at all. And that they're just trying to ramp me up to get me to talk. And I think that's almost a more fascinating discussion than this movie. Because it's not a discussion. Am I going to go see Bumblebee? Yes, I'm going to go see Bumblebee because it's a Transformers movie. And I even saw Optimus Prime and The Last Crusade in the theaters because that guy... So, of course, I'm going to go see this in the theater. That's not a question. But a more interesting question is, have they actually gotten good enough at mining our nostalgia to trick us into promoting movies that we might not have been as excited about before? Because I do feel like this is just a cynical push on their part to make me excited about the film. Because here you go. Here's that G1 character you really, really loved. Here's a couple of them. And I'm sure every time I go through and watch it, I'm seeing more and more characters in there because those scenes are battle scenes on Cybertron and they're very dense and there's a whole bunch of people there. And I've talked before about the dangers of being pandered to by the studios because that's not what I want. I want a good story. I don't care if it's the story that I want. It's it's the last Jedi conundrum, which we've talked about before. The last time... Anybody involved with Lucasfilm, even tangentially, asked themselves what do Star Wars fans really want. They gave us the Christmas special. None of us want that to happen again. And whether you like what happened with The Last Jedi or not, they crafted a complete story, an original story, a thorough story, a character-driven story, which is something that Star Wars needs if it's going to go on and continue, okay? I am... They're, they're pandering to me here has kind of backfired on them a little bit where I know these things were included in the trailer to get me all excited and to talk about how awesome this movie looks and how awesome it's going to be because my G1 Transformers are back. But it's actually got me more worried going the other way that they're going to try to pander to me and this is going to be the Transformers movie they think I want. And I don't want that. I mean, it may sound completely oxymoronic, but I mean, nobody asked for Star Trek The Undiscovered Country, but I don't care what anybody says about Wrath of Khan, which also nobody asked for. Those are the two best 
Star Trek movies because they weren't doing that cynical, well, what do Star Trek fans want? They just wrote movies, you know. In, in Wrath of Khan's case, they were kind of like, well, people are upset that it's not as much like the show. Well, let's get Ricardo Montalban back. I mean, there was kind of an element of that. But, you know, these films, when they're great, I mean, it, back into the Star Wars thing, for all the hate that Jar Jar Binks got, Jar Jar Binks exists in the story because he's the character that they thought the audience wanted. He's that stand-in character for the droids who does all the goofy, silly things and talks with a funny voice, like the droids do in the other three movies. Y'all hated him. You don't necessarily want them to pander to you. So are they pandering? See, <laughs> this is why I overthink everything. So are they pandering and trying to just trick me into thinking this is going to be awesome so that they can get my money, which is stupid because they were going to get my money anyway? Or are they? did they actually listen and write an interesting story that happens to visually align more with the kinds of characters that I want to see? Because to me, the thing that made the Transformers cool was that you could still see hints of their alternate mode when they transform. And I think a lot of that was lost in the Michael Bay ver version of them, because they really wanted them to look like robots when they were robots, and of course, they just used the vehicle when they were vehicles. And I, like I said, I think a lot of that got coolness got lost, right? Because when I think of the Transformers series that I liked, like, you know, the original, you know, G1 series, sorry for everybody who liked the Beast Era. I'm not a huge fan of the Beast Era. Um, Transformers Prime, which I think is probably the best Transformers cartoon I've ever seen. You could tell at least tangentially what they transformed into and you wondered how. And then when you saw how they clicked together, like that is one of the things that always made Transformers cool to me was they were puzzle box toys that once you knew the trick of how to transform them became really fun to play with. And the media that let me see that also tended to be some of my favorite visually. But, you know, Prime also had a really good set of stories to why it's my favorite. But, you know, as far as stories go. G1 will always be my real favorite because, you know, I was a little kid when it came out and it's burned into my mind for all eternity. But, <laughs> eh, it is what it is. I don't know what they're doing here. And I think I finally crossed the Rubicon and gone into that scary place where I don't want to be, where I'm just thinking too much about what are they trying to make me think about this thing rather than just going, huh, so am I interested or not? Maybe this is some kind of new uncanny valley, where the uncanny valley is when you try to make something look real, hyper real, and you don't quite get there, and it looks even faker than it would have if you made it look cartoonish. You know, that kind of thing, except for on the nostalgia side. Like, oh my goodness, this looks like the live-action Transformers movie that I've kind of always wanted to see. Wait a minute, what's the catch? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a strange idea. I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. Because it, it, I admit it, it's a weird idea. I think I'm going to stop babbling there. Thank you all for listening. If you liked this show and whatever app you're listening to me on allows you to rate either this episode or the podcast or both, please do that. That really does help the show out a lot. If you th think you know anybody who might like this or that you just want to be cool, you could share it. That also helps me out a lot. Um, if I, I, I hate this part. I really do. Um, if you want to help the show financially... That would really be awesome if you would. Um, 
in whatever app you're listening to, if you click onto the show notes, or sometimes in the app itself, it'll say support on Anchor. If you click that, you can support at the $1, $5, or $10 level. That really does help out a lot. It lets me know that you really like the podcast and what I'm doing here. And thank you to everybody who's already supporting what I'm doing. If you want to support me on Patreon, I'm at patreon.com slash cedorset. You can go over there. That supports everything, including the writing and stuff that I do over there. And uh, if you want to catch up with me on social media or whatnot, you can go to projectshadow.com and, yeah, find a link to everything over there. I'm C.E. Dorset on Twitter. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. I'm on Twitter way too much. I have screen time on my iPhone now. I only spent three hours on Twitter last week, which is a lot less than I thought. But, okay, that's still three hours last week on Twitter. Yeah, I may have a problem. (laughs) But, yeah, that's the best place to get in touch with me. If you are listening on the Anchor app or would like to call in and leave me a voicemail message, if you download the app at anchor.fm, you can leave me a one-minute message that... I may use on a future episode of the show. You can leave a question, a comment, or anything that you want there. A topic that you would like to be discussed does not have to necessarily be about what we talked about today. Alrighty. Thank you all so much for listening, and until next time, have the fun. Bye.